If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where I talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. I am your host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. I did not fill out an NCAA tournament bracket in the one year where it was all chalk, and it would have been super easy to fill out. So that's on me. Regardless, welcome back. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for all the input on the new shows of the new season. Trevor Price, Sirit Sohi, uh, lots of fun breaking down Mad Men, breaking down Kulapari. And today, another all-time favorite topic for me. That's right, Tori Amos. <laughs> if, you, if you're a longtime listener to the show, back when it was, uh, we were a foursome, threesome, then in, all the way through the solo season, you know that from time to time, I will legitimately throw out on Twitter, if you are involved in the sports world and you want to talk Tori Amos, I will do it. Open invitation, call me, email me, tweet me, Instagram me, whatever, and let's uh, let's talk Tori. Finally, I found someone in the sports world who was down to do just that. That's right. Our guest today, Molly Knight. Molly Knight is an author. You might remember her book, The Best Team Money Can Buy, about the Dodgers. She's a long history covering that team. Uh, she has recently joined The Athletic Los Angeles uh, and excited to be uh, following her over there. Also, I have a crazy personal connection to her that she was not aware about until we got onto the phone to do the interview. I'll explain that in a second. But more than anything, I was just super excited to talk Tori with someone who is a huge Tori Amos fan. And when I say huge fan, I am not messing around. Molly said she's been to something like 100 shows, <laughs> which is an amazing, staggering figure. Uh, but, you know, she kind of explains how she did that, how she kind of checked off a lot of those uh, in one huge stretch. But here's someone with a really interesting perspective on Tori Amos's music and who she is as a person. Because in, in all those, uh, you know, in all that concert going, Molly not only uh, got to know Tori's music very intimately, she also got to know the artist herself. She sat down and interviewed her. She's got Tori's email, uh, and now she's deciding very cautiously whether to use it <laughs> and how. We talk about that. Uh, but yeah, we, we break it all down. We talk about how she got into Tori Amos. We talk about the early albums, sort of those those seminal albums from the 90s and into the early 2000s. We go into super detail about uh, you know best hits, deep cuts, live performances. You know all those nights I found myself uh, falling down a wormhole on YouTube watching old school live Tori Amos <laughs> uh, concerts. You know we we get into it. If you are a stand for Tori Amos, this is this is your podcast. I'm just saying that right now. So I hope you enjoy it. Also, side note. Crazy coincidence. I'm looking into Molly. I'm Googling her. And I'm like, man, she looks really familiar. My wife comes over and she goes, we totally know her. <laughs> and I said, what? She's like, we totally met her on our honeymoon. We sat next to her on a cruise. And on the first night of the cruise, on the first night of our honeymoon, you know, and Molly Knight was a young reporter. And we started talking. Next thing you know, she bought us a, uh, a bottle of champagne. She and her friend bought us a bottle of champagne. Uh, to celebrate our new marriage. So there you go. Years later, 
I finally, uh, you know, she buys me champagne. I finally repay it by bothering her on a weekend and forcing her to talk about uh, about an artist she's probably spent so much time of her life already thinking about and talking about. But she was a great sport to come on. Again, super exciting topic for me personally. I've always really enjoyed the music of Tori Amos back, uh, going back to high school with with Little Earthquakes on cassette, uh, rocking out with the you know the live tracks on her double disc in uh, in college in the old uh, Bradley University newsroom. So this was a lot of fun for me to be breaking down Tori Amos. I hope you enjoy it too. So without further ado, let's get into it. Molly Knight talking Tori, and stick around after the interview. I will be back to distract you. Feel free to say no if, if my wife and I are totally wrong. So here's, okay. the, here's the context. I'm on my honeymoon in the Mediterranean on a cruise, 2010. It's like the second week of July. Yeah, I think that was me. Okay, yeah. So And, and my wife and I go to the table. We're leaving Barcelona, really I think, funny. first night. We go to their table. That was Barcelona. Okay. Okay. And then you bought us champagne. You, you said- There's a really- <laughs> good chance that that was me <laughs> it's really funny and it's so it's so weird because i i emailed you independently to come do the show yeah. you know um i follow you on twitter know, know, know your writing your book <laughs> and then i was like she looks so familiar doesn't she and my wife's I... like i swear she bought a champagne on our honeymoon <laughs> listen i've been do you know what boat it was i don't but i remember here's what i remember and this is where i put two and two together is that well, we met someone who I my wife described she was like we met a sports writer and I'm like yeah at the time okay. were you working for or had done a lot of work for ESPN the magazine yes yes and yes, did you yes. go to Stanford I believe so yes, yes? okay yes. that is definitely you because <laughs> your friend whoever you're with was talking you up maybe maybe it was a cousin they were talking you up and my they were cousin. like how did you know this is really crazy I just, it's so this weird like really I can remember crazy. well it's my honeymoon I remember like everything about that trip I remember like which food yeah. was good which wasn't which uh you know don't go to Livorno if you want to go go to Florence yeah, don't do Livorno. pizza <laughs> was that we went to did we go to Mykonos oh yeah 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 we did we okay. did yeah that this was good really crazy okay wow yeah. were we on the back of the boat at that point uh, I mean, like, were we were we by the bar or was it like dinner? no? It was like the dinner, like a formal kind of oh, not yeah. formal, but it was like a sit down dinner. And then yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to be paired with the same group every day. It didn't work like that. And oh then my god! I just wanted to say thank you for the champagne and uh, on behalf of me and my wife. So oh my god, it's just really funny because um, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. You know, that's nice that I that I that I probably had some to drink um, <laughs> and it's nice that I was able to, that I did that and that it, it was, a, it was a good thing. Um, I remember that trip. My cousin is a, uh, just a champion partier and I could only <laughs> drink like, I just never really have been like, I could get after it, you know, one night, but then the next day I'm not drinking. So, yeah. and, and there were times when, you know, she would be like, come on, let's go to the, you know, Thing. It was like a disco or something, and uh, I just be like, I'm, just, I, I'm, I can't, I can't do that every night. <laughs> but um, I remember we went like on that trip. We also like, I remember that Athens being like, I'd never been hotter in my life. Yes, being in Athens that day, murderously Walked up hot. to the to the uh, uh, Acropolis, and I thought I was going to die, and like I didn't. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, wow, that's that's crazy. That was like nine years ago. But what a small world that yeah, is. Yeah, super small world. Uh, wow. So anyway, no enough oh cruise God. talk. I'll save that for my side podcast. Cruise, you know, cruise yeah. control. Well, that's nice. You know, I like, <laughs> that. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that I did that. Wow. Yeah. No, okay. we we are too. We drank it and we enjoyed it. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, so today we're talking Tori Amos, and I, I, I've been wanting to talk Tori Amos with somebody in the sports world since I launched the show three years ago. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> of course. Let's start with, I, I'm a- curious, like, what, what was your sort of entree into Tori? Do, do you remember a specific age or, and or, like, was it an album, a song, like a friend that exposed you? How'd you get into her? Yes, I, mean, I was super young. Um, I think when I was, like, 12 years old, um, I'd heard her cover of uh, Kurt Cobain or Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit yep. um, and was like, whoa, this is crazy. A friend had it like on a mixtape. And then for some reason, they started playing um, Silent All These Years on the radio. It had been out for like six years. Mm-hmm. Like they started replaying it. I mean, I was young. So um, I was like, this is good. And then in high school, um, a couple of my friends were really into her, and um, and so that was that. That's sort of like I, I had to kind of keep up um, and like kind of like get the albums and learn the songs. And then they sort of some of them like their their interest sort of waned, and mine just like took off, you know. And then um, when I went to college, I think part of it was like Napster, and this, this was like the wild west of like internet sharing and the internet you know, of music. And I just became, and it's part of my like completest, um, like uh, my 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 desire to have sets of things, which I think is a small child manifested in like my baseball card collection. And then it sort of was the same thing, became the same thing with like Tori Amos bootleg shows. Uh, like I just I trade, I would just trade for all of them, and like you know have every show from like 1998 or you know every every bootleg I could get, um, I, I got. Um, and that was really before I'm going in a circle. For my 17th birthday, my friend um, took me to see her at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, and it was and it was amazing. And uh, it was funny because when we left that show, I saw all these people standing around waiting, kind of like like by the exit, kind of by her tour bus. And I thought, oh man, like look at those losers! She'll never stop to talk to them. Little <laughs> did I know. That like within five years, like I, a lot of those losers would be my, become like some of my dear friends <laughs> and that she came out and talked to people like before and after every show and was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a thing I remember having and being, <laughs> and then being very wrong about it later. <laughs> It's funny. Um, I got into her in high school. Uh, you know, I was, mm-hmm. a, I was like a '93 to '97 was my high school years. Or and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, like a lot of people, it was like Little Earthquakes was around. It was floating around you yeah. know, my older friends' circles. Uh, I started to, I gravitated more toward Under the Pink, and yeah. I just think By I mean today's the 25th anniversary of the release of Under the Pink. Oh man, that's that. That's some all-star synergy uh, by yeah, us. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. <laughs> I I do tend to think a lot of people ride hard for one or the other. I mean, they appreciate yeah. everything, but do you find yourself as a little earthquakes or under the pink person? That's interesting. For a while, under the pink was my least favorite Tori album, um, mm. but but not well. I mean, this, we're talking of the big four, the first ones, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, little earthquakes, under the pink, Pele, and Choir Girl. Um, I myself 
was a I'm a Pele uh, devotee. I think that was the first album I really stand hard for, and it was just like I delved like super into. I mean, I was in, I was it came out when I was in high school. When I was uh, let's see, yes, a freshman in high school. But when I got to college, I just like dove into all the songs and was analyzing like all the liter- literary references and all the things little did I know that like, you know, she was on a lot of drugs and a lot <laughs> of the stuff did not make any sense at all. Like she just was doing free association and she writes music first and then comes up with lyrics um, later. And so sometimes it's just like words that sound cool or weird, you know, non sequiturs and drugs. Um, so, so yeah. And then, and then choir girl kind of came out and, uh, and it's just a perfect album. There's no, there's no filler on there um but to answer your question then i came around i came around to under the pink and i think space dog was the was the missing link for me because i really didn't like that song but some of my 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 dearest friends like my best friend from high school lauren bush like she rode so hard for that song and under the pink was her jam like baker baker we had to listen to it over and over again whenever any guy <laughs> broke up with her like driving by their house you know um uh, <laughs> And uh, a pretty good year I always loved, but um, I, I, I don't love God. I, I kind of think it's cheesy, to be honest. Um, and uh, the rock band, eh, that, I mean, that's the one song she would would uh, kick off an album if she could. Um, I, 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 that's why she doesn't like to play it live, because she's she regrets that not putting Honey on that album, which is one of my favorite songs mm. of all time. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I uh, once I heard... Once I like finally real recognized the brilliance of Space Dog, uh, I was like, yes, okay, this album's amazing. And the same with Yes Anastasia. Um, I thought it was kind of boring, and then and then I came around. It's it's and that's like the coolest music. I I'm reminded of when Rihanna's last album came out, Anti, and I first heard it and was like. Okay, this is whack. Like this album is just is not good. I'm a I'm a I'm a Rihanna fan and. Uh, and then, uh, and then I delved into it further, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is genius! This is ge- it's, it didn't sound like anything else she had done." And I'm like, "This album is so, 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 so good." Um, but it took a while, and I love music like that. Doesn't immediately jump out. Does doesn't immediately grab you because you might not get it, or you might not be ready for it. It's like brilliance. It's almost like an acquire, like how how proud I am of myself when all of a sudden I start liking a food that I thought I hated. <laughs> yeah, it's like I peppers. feel like I'm like like I've developed a more sophisticated palate, you know. Like anybody could like ice cream, right? But when you grow to like appreciate like uh, spinach or like Brussels sprouts, and you, then you're like, man, you know, you feel you feel like you you've you've uh, you've leveled up, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think she got. Uh, well, look, you look at Little Earthquakes, and it is a very other, with the exception maybe of like Mina Gun, it's a very clean, expressive, right. uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say overly similar, but like it's, it's a cohesive sound uh-huh. the entire album through. And then when she starts to just play around, do different things, you look at the next three albums, and, you yeah. know, she goes in a lot of different directions. And some people kept up and were like, cool, she's doing her thing. And others, I think, kind of rejected yeah. it or said I miss the old days and I just I was someone who I'm with you I think Choir Girl was one of my favorites I was in college when that came out I used to play that over and yeah. over again and, and just really like how yes it's, it starts with Spark yeah. but then by song 10 she's like doing techno stuff it's brilliant I mean it's just really brilliant and I, and it was really risky um, 
because well then she decided she was going to do a plug tour um which was really risky because it's like she was she, she came out and defined herself with was like you know the girl with the piano the woman with the piano and then she's like no oh, we're going to do a full band tour and a lot of people were pissed off a lot of people were like i miss the solo stuff because um they felt like that was more of her identity and also that the concerts were more personal because she could improvise more like when you're when it's just you um you, you know you can sort of play whatever you want when you have a band it's like you've got a set leap you've got a i mean she always has set lists but there's not a lot of room for improvising or being like fuck it i want to play this song instead or you know that kind of thing it's it's it's, it's more um you can't do that to like the other the other players as talented as they are so it could be more limiting in the number of songs you could figure out but as they got going on that tour that plug tour in 98 um I think they did something like 200 shows, which is insane. Um, as they really got into their groove and found their stride and, and, and were able to figure out how to rework and reimagine a lot of those songs. My biggest regret was not going to uh, see Tori during those years, along with like sk- skipping out with friends, like back in the early and early nineties of like, Hey, we got the yeah. original Lollapalooza tickets. And I'm like, no, it's cool. Um, yeah. But let me ask you this. Cause I love that so much of that music is kind of floating around like bootleg CDs or YouTube. Uh-huh. And I, I'm with you. I think what I love about that period is, is, is how much reinvention you get, whether it's, you know, she does a live version of Father Lucifer and she adds an entire interlude to it, or she did, right. you know, she made The Waitress turn into like this 10 minute yes. epic. What's your favorite kind of moments or, or I guess, uh, just kind of riffs that she did from that era that were just totally different than her CD catalog? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I think like when, when Precious Things was redone, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was the, the, the song that she opened up from a lot of that tour. I think that that was a revelation. Um, you know, I've seen her over in, in live, and I don't know if you know this, but I've seen her in concert over, like over 100 times. Oh, um, oh man, not messing around. Yeah. I am uh, even more jealous that I didn't turn yeah, out once. Yeah, which actually was just sort of like a more intense period of my life. I, I, in the last 10 years or so, I've only seen her um, a couple times. Um, but I, I, there was one summer where I, there was one year, I think I, 2003, I think I saw her 50 times. Um, oh, and yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was in college and I was going through a really weird time and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, had to get out of a couple of bad situations. And, um, and it was a really healthy thing for me actually, cause it, I got to see America. We got picked up with friends, you know, 21 years old, um, and uh, she gave me tickets to a lot of the shows. Um, I mean, just it's it's kind of hard to explain it all, but uh, with her regulars, like you know, it, she she takes care of her her people sometimes, and 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 you just find figure out cheap ways to do it, staying at people's houses, and you know, just sort of on like the broke college kid budget, it worked. And I was writing about all the shows, and and um, that was how I like sort of started my career. Well. 
as a as a blog. That's how I started a blog and started writing. And I have her to thank for that. And I'm going to have thanked her for that. She knows. Um, so, but I would say, you know, I, I can only speak for like my personal all time favorites um, moments, seeing her like in different live moments. Uh, there was a show in San Antonio in 2003. That was a really tense time because we'd just gone to war in Iraq and we all knew it was bullshit. Like I was at a Tory show in Indianapolis the night that like we went to Iraq and she, and it was at the Marat theater, which is gorgeous. And she played Imagine by John Lennon. It was a really intense, intense show. Um, and then a couple, a couple of months later I was in San Antonio and she played that song pancake about sexual abuse in the, in the Catholic church with Neil Young's, uh, bridge, uh, 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 with a, added a bridge of Neil Young's song, Ohio, um, you know, cause we were at war, and that was as good of a performance of any song I've ever seen in my life. Um, I saw her cover uh, uh, Oasis's Don't Look Back in Anger in Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, England in 2005. And that was, as, that was as good of a cover as I've ever seen her do. Um, she told a story about Morrissey being a complete jerk to her. I think she called him a small dick fuckhead. Um, <laughs> Because people had asked her to play Morrissey because she was in Manchester's hometown. And she's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, I mean, somebody shouted out Morrissey. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as like those songs, I mean, man, like the, the songs from your era that you're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, Precious, the, the stuff she put on the Venus, al- the Venus Live album, Precious Things, mm-hmm. Waitress. I mean, IIE is one of my absolute favorite songs. Yeah, I love that song. Um, hotel is gnarly they have to like put put signs up you know she's going to play hotel that night when there's a sign in the lobby that says there's a that says uh one of the be, be warned if you have epilepsy one of the songs um the lighting has been known to trigger seizures <laughs> so that <laughs> because that i mean i i shouldn't laugh but like that's how intense that song is the lighting for me. um it's really really good uh sort of rambling around i guess uh Having dropped that hundred show bomb on you now, <laughs> open a total, a total different avenue of questions. No, I do not have a trust fund. Uh, <laughs> think of it more like Grateful Dead, like getting a lot of free tickets. You know, sitting in the in the top of the balcony a lot, uh, seat hopping. You know, kindness of strangers, that kind of stuff. I'm picturing, um, I'm picturing you on the roadside with a sign that's like, I will, uh, I will yeah. transcribe the lyrics from Lust uh, uh, for tickets or for a ride uh, or something like that. I never had to do anything I didn't want to do, or never would have done anything I didn't want to do. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of just sort of like, you know, there, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I'm pretty good with figuring out concert tickets. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my, one of my skills i guess you could say now you talk um, you talk about her as though there, there is a uh, clearly a connection many run-ins but i mm-hmm. i gather that you have something of a relationship with her so how would you describe yeah. it um well it started just like i was a kid the first time i met her um and she was just like i didn't you know didn't know me from adam but but was just kind you know likes to interact with her fans and then um and then, you know, you just you become regular and there are a lot of regulars who go to a lot of shows that she knows. But I never really um, like a lot of people will kind of bear their soul to her. Um, I never really did that. I I don't know why I just didn't. Um, and so I don't really think she knew much about me. I mean, then she then 
then she she knew, you know, kind of that I wanted to be a writer and, you know, she knew my name and like had a sense of who my friends were and where I lived and stuff. Um, and then I sort of fell off because I was, my, my life started, my career started and I couldn't go to, I was an adult and I had bills and I had deadlines and I like, I couldn't go to many shows anymore. Um, but uh, when my book came out on the Dodgers, actually um, somebody, because she, I guess she'd been like, hey, well, yeah, where's she been? You know, because I hadn't been around. Somebody told her. And uh, it's not like we're like friends or anything, but um, like somebody gave her a copy of my book. And I think she was just like, I mean, she doesn't care about baseball, but um, she was just like, she's an artist, you know, and she's super ex- excited about other people doing their art, doing their writing and doing their work. And like, she just was so pr- like proud of me and then was just like, trying to you know get word to me through other people that she you know she was so proud of me and she wanted to see me and all this stuff and so um the last tour she had i was actually in sedona with a friend um we just went out there kind of on a little mini vacation and she was coming through phoenix and um her manager got in touch with me because somebody told her i was out there and um her manager like said i've left you you know tickets and passes at the at the box office, you know, Tori wants to talk to you. So I went and I just went backstage and we caught up for like an hour and it was amazing. We talked about writing and being blocked and she gave me all kinds of advice and it was just wonderful. And, um, and then I asked her if she'd be on my, I had a short lived podcast. Uh, the president ruined Trump. my week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to do it the way that I, I wanted to do it, which is why I stopped doing it because I didn't want it to just be a bitch session about Trump. <laughs> which, um, and so then I was like, Ugh. but anyway, anyway, she agreed to do it. And she was like the first guest. I was like, I'll do it, which was so cool. Right. Like she's famous and rad and like, I didn't even exist yet. She's like, yes, I will do it. And, um, so she, when she came to LA a couple of weeks later, I went to her hotel and hung out with her and we did it and then we talked and um, it's really funny because I got to see her sort of like uh, put on a totally different hat. Like when she's in like work mode or you know interview mode, it's like totally different than when she's just chatting with you, not for internet, you know, or not for um, uh, like the world. Like it's, I got to see like a different, um, uh, say sides of her but yeah like the formal side and the informal side and it was sort of um it was really i learned a lot just in watching her and like i asked her stuff about like how do you do this and i do a book signing and i'm like i'm so drained and it's only like 100 people and you have like thousands of people every night and she's like oh god book signings are the worst you know don't <laughs> it's a totally different thing a totally different animal than than like playing a show when we're playing a show it's like you're 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 cooking it's like with the audience and it's fun and it gives you energy like a book signing my god that's the most draining thing i could imagine so then i felt better about myself because i was just like i can't even you know the idea of um i don't know but it's different because she's a performer so it, it does obviously a part of her that wants that likes the spotlight and likes the attention and likes you know to be famous and that would just um uh, it would it would just terrify me that kind of thing like being recognized on the street or whatever um it would be like i mean i don't know she doesn't have the kind of like she's not like she has paparazzi she's not like 
yeah, Brad Pitt or somebody where she has paparazzi following her everywhere, something like that, which would be my absolute worst nightmare. Um, but yeah, um, it, it just, I, I've learned a lot from watching her navigate, watching her, um, uh, her integrity as an artist, the boundaries that she sets, um, her knowing what what she has to give and, and when she can give it and when she can't and protecting herself, protecting her creativity, um, different things she does. It, it's, it's quite instructive and quite helpful to me. And um, I mean, she gave me her email and uh, I haven't emailed her because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I I'm waiting until there's something I really want to, you know, I feel like it's like a wish from the genie, you know, like, <laughs> like you get three wishes and we're wishing for more wishes. So like, I don't know. Um, That's and, a really good way to put that, by the way. Like it, it's not yeah. like you're just emailing her like, Hey, who you got uh Sunday? It's, it, right. I want to save this up for like the, the, the quintessential need, uh, need Tori Amos to, to chime in. Yeah. On. Yeah. But like, I also like, I don't know. I was just thinking you, you could get way too in the weeds on that. And then that's when, when you're a celebrity and you don't get, then that's why you wind up not having any normal friends because like maybe the normal people are just like, Oh, I don't want to bother her. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, or, or just like, oh, I want to respect her like boundaries and her privacy. And I was just kind of laughing. I'm like, the reason she can email me is because she knew I'd never email her, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna um, abuse it, but um, but yeah, like maybe one day I'll write to her and say, "Hey, I wrote something uh, for Netflix. Do you want to uh, compose the score <laughs> <laughs> or something?" Like I would love to not, because um, in the past I feel like I've always been like, "What's your advice for this? And what do I do with that? And how do I become a writer and all that?" Like I would love to be able to like, the sense like arrogant, not arrogant, but I would love to like give her something you know or like help help like introduce her music to a younger generation or a new audience like she's already given me enough you know like i would love to just like like i don't really think she's gotten her due in a lot of ways even though she's sold millions of records and you know is definitely respected by her peers i i i i don't know i i think i would love for her to be um like like right now like be one of the voices that's out there, um, mainstream. I, I would love that. If there's, if there's anything I could do to help with that, I would do. I would do it in a, in a nanosecond. Let me geek out with you a little bit on on okay. some of your favorite songs. Okay. So you've mentioned a few. What, what are the yep. deep for for the hardcore fans listening? Uh, what are the deep cuts that you like to tell people go check out? Uh, so my top ten Tory songs are Blood Roses, IIE. Here in My Head, which is a Little Earthquakes B-side. Um, Siren, which was on the Great Expectations soundtrack. Sugar, which is another Little Earthquakes B-side. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Honey, which is a Under the Pink B-side. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is tough. Um, I Love Virginia, which is a, a, a song on Scarlet's Walk. I Love Tom Bigby, which is a B-side off of Scarlet's Walk. I love, uh, did I say, oh, Pretty Good Year from One of the Pink. Mm -hmm. um, Donut Song, oh my God, from Voice for Pele. Yeah. That was like my breakup song, one of my breakups, one of my many breakup songs. And then basically all of Choir Girl, like Spark is incredible. We already mentioned IIE. Um, 
you know, the whole thing is good. But she's got a lot of like, I mean, her B-sides are so good. Yeah. I mean, I got her to play Ode to the Banana King, which was good (laughs) (laughs) at his show once. Uh, It's kind of a silly ditty. Um, What about you? What are your favorite Tori songs? I mean, you've mentioned a couple. I, I really like Spark. Um, yeah. That's one that like has always stuck with me. And I know it's a popular one, but... Um, I, no, now- it's, it's a fucking great song. And you know what? I realize like, a lot of her songs are S, best songs are S songs, like Spark, Sugar, Siren, you know? It's, it's, it's good stuff. I, Sugar is one that I, I really like live. Um, yeah. The same way I really like The Waitress live more than The CD yeah. Waitress. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I I ride hard for Yes Anastasia. I'm glad you mentioned that before. Yeah. I think the ending of that song is like peak. Yeah. Hey, just someone give Tori a piano and just let's see what she does. And she just kind of yeah. destroys it. Um, I went to 50 shows before I heard that song live. And that was at uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The, one of the worst venues I've ever seen here. It was like an abandoned roller rink. Flat floors, <laughs> folding chairs. I mean, it was a shit show. And then she played that song and it was that was one of the best show that was the best Tori Amos show I've ever seen in my life um uh we made up a set list our dream set list and gave it to her at the meet and greet that day and she came out to that meet and greet and was in the worst mood I've ever seen in my life like blew us all off and we were just like okay well whatever but then she played the set list from beginning to end um That's crazy. And added no, and added yes, Anastasia, which she hadn't played in like a couple of years, just to just to show off. What we think happened, what was to our advantage, we think like something actually was like going on in her life that day that you know, just something shitty or whatever that happens to all of us. And so she came out in a bad mood about that and then just like did not have the time or energy to put together a set list. So she just played on her. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from being like, this was dumb and she hates us, like she hates us for even doing that. And ugh, this is going to be a terrible show too. This is the greatest show of our lives, which we realized like five songs in that she was playing our set list. That's insane. I can't even on demand live Tori would be like melting my yeah. entire yeah. mind. I, 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 I got like... here in my head. Yeah, I got here in my head. It was here in my Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, March twenty third, two thousand three. Let it be here in my head. Yes, Anastasia, Secret Time, boom. Jeez. Uh, Space Dog and Voodoo were in there. I mean, it was it was good. Space Dog is is great. Um, I, it's a, I will I will also defend. I really like some moments on to Venus and back. The I mean, I love yeah. the live stuff, but like the the oh. other stuff, I like Bliss a Juarez, lot. Juarez is in my top ten. I mean, my top twenty is more like my top twelve, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Juarez is up there. Yeah, I like, Bliss is incredible. I really like Daytura. Like, I know it's a mm-hmm. strange song, but like it just. And I think for most of it, she's just kind of talking about different spices and stuff. Yes, yes. Um, But I like how that goes. I like how it kind of shifts and changes. And then I like uh, Spring Haze, the one that comes after it. But I wanted to ask you. Yeah, Spring Haze is incredible, too. That's a a section of her career where she goes, where I, I... talk to people and describe her voice as be just becoming an instrument in the band that a lot yep. of times it's impossible to really even understand what she's saying, but it doesn't matter because she's just trying something different musically to fit the rest yep. of the instruments. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you look back and it was, it was a, it was sort of a, uh, it was very different. Um, it was very outer space. I mean, you could, you could look at like, you know, earthquakes being, uh, you could go or earth, Earthquakes being, you know, the earth element, um, under the pink being the air element, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Pele being fire and Quargo being water. 
Um, and then this one just being outer space, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of how she, I don't know that she's ever, that's how I kind of think about him. I don't know that she's ever really talked about that, but, um, but yeah. And, uh, that was definitely like a, a, a and then Scarlet's walk. I mean, that was an incredible record too. the mm-hmm. next one. Um, but to think that she did all that in such a short, relatively short period of time. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, but that was a, that was a polarizing Venus was a polarizing yeah. album. It really was very much so. And, it, and the story I always heard about it was that they got into rehearse to do the live shows and it was clicking so yeah. good. They just ended up with an album and she's like, great, yeah. let's do it. And she wanted out of contract point and had to do like, owed them three more records. And so it was like Venus counted as a double cause it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was live and the other and the, uh, there's the, the new material. And then she did the album of covers, the strange little girls, like a year, like yeah. a year and a half later. And just to get out of her contract with Atlantic and, um, sign with Epic Sony after that. Mm-hmm. So that was part of that, but I'm glad it, it happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean that, that live, I think that live, uh, the, the live, the fact that she did that live album just shows like how, like, monumental that plug tour was just for her career and for a lot of people i mean she's playing she was playing arenas she's playing right. you know for fifteen thousand people um madison square united center and, and the anaheim ponds um and big big places key arena um, in seattle um that's a big deal for a female artist huge huge mm-hmm. deal who isn't being played on um, pop radio constantly. I mean, I, I really don't know who else has done that. I mean, without the sort of, uh, yeah, it's just, she's playing the same size arenas as like Taylor Swift and Adele but without the, without the top 40 stuff. Really. Right. <laughs> Crazy. So, um, well, I know you got to go. Let me, let me close with this outside of, outside of the wrestler, Mick Foley, I have not found uh, many other like athletes or sports figures who are into Tori, but you just being yeah. close to the world, uh, around athletes for, for your, your writing. Have you, have you had uh, any encounters with, with folks that have just like, you know, kind of let spill their, their big Tory stand? No, not, not straight men. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I do see, um, celebrity like celebrities at shows uh i mean it was weird for me that justin timberlake was like i thought he was just sort of blowing smoke when he was like your album changed my life they did a round table for the hollywood reporter i think and uh and then he started singing songs from little earthquakes um to her i thought that was that was pretty and i'm not i'm not a fan of justin timberlake um really but i thought that was after the whole Janet Jackson fiasco, I'm a right. huge Janet Jackson stand, so he's he's canceled. But I did think <laughs> that was I think I did think that was cool, you know. Well, please share more. Uh, we got to let you go, but please share more. Uh, you know, uh, set lists online that you've you've spurred Tori to Tori to share. We'll we'll tell all of our listeners to follow you on Twitter um and, and look out for everything else that you're doing and uh uh thanks for breaking it down it's it's good to talk to her it's been three years in the making yeah. i'm glad someone came on and thank you for oh. the champagne too i oh I, my god i i that is so wild that was that that was 100 percent me <laughs> <laughs> well that, i that was <laughs> when i answered i'm like it could have been me and then i because i've definitely been on mediterranean 
I've been on two Mediterranean cruises. Um, uh, but that I definitely was been on was on one from Barcelona with my cousin. So that was yep. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it was it was great. My wife and I appreciate it to this day. That's <laughs> well, wonderful to hear. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting, compelling things. And then we tell them, you're being a locker room distraction. Stop being interesting. Go back to watching game film. That's ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So that's why I end every episode or, you know, most of them by telling you what's been distracting me. And look, with Molly talking, Tori Amos, I figure it's good to keep up the music trend. And especially the old school uh, 80s, 90s, 2000s music trend. That's so why I'm going to talk REM to you. Uh, again, longtime listeners of the show. Again, longtime listeners of the show are like, Brad, you have already spent so much time talking to me about Tori Amos, talking to me about REM. But just bear with me. Because if you're an REM fan, I have a podcast for you. It is Are You Talking REM Re Me? <laughs> Are you talking R.E.M. Remy? <laughs> it is Scott Ackerman, the uh, celebrated comedy Bang Bang host, and Adam Scott, the actor. You may remember him from Parks and Rec. You may remember him from Step Brothers, Big Little Lies. I remember him, of course, from Hellraiser Bloodline, uh, <laughs> because I'm a crazy person who's seen all the Hellraisers. But these two guys are really funny together. And and what they did was they a couple of years ago they created a podcast called You Talking U2 to Me, which was all about just, you know, breaking down U2 albums. And then they decided to get back into it. I think it was like last year, maybe the you know, the, the year previous. And they just went through all of REM's they went through all of REM's discography. And it's I think a great example of what happens when you you don't set out to do a, a comedy podcast per se. But when two people who are just naturally very funny try to have an earnest conversation, it just tends to be very funny. And so from my vantage point as a huge R.E.M. fan and someone who really like adored their music of the 80s and into the 90s and even followed them, I mean, I, I bought all the later albums as well, which I'll talk about more in a second. As someone who was a huge R.E.M. fan, it was kind of just a lot of fun to go back and listen to them break down each album. But what it really did for me was give me a new perspective on their later music. Because I think like a lot of people, I came to R.E.M. around the time of, you know, uh, Out of Time, Losing My Religion, into Automatic for the People. I saw them on the Monster Tour. And then I kind of went back and found their old school stuff from Murmur to, uh, you know, getting you know my, my legally required copy of Eponymous uh, to, you know... Uh, hardcore defending document to all my friends who feel like that was the moment that that they lost interest in REM whatever man <laughs> you're not impressing anybody end of the world as we know it's a great song but but still that's kind of where my fandom uh zeroed in on and then after like hi-fi I just I became one of those REM fans that like bought the albums you know liked a couple songs in the albums but like really didn't think about them much especially with Bill Berry gone and the, the band sort of retrying to find itself and the band trying to find itself all over again. But here's what this podcast did, man. They go through song by song on all those later albums, and I had a ton of fun. And I have to say, like, I kind of warmed back up to Accelerate, 
to collapse in and out, to, to reveal. Uh, I've never been an around the sun guy, but, you know, a few people are, I think. And it was interesting to hear Scott Ackerman, who was not a fan of R.E.M. and had given up on them after Monster, I think. It was interesting to hear him come back into the fold and say, these are albums I really like. These are songs, you know, I'm coming to fresh, so I don't, I'm not just sitting there in 1999 disappointed that it's not, <laughs> you know, that it's not Don't Go Back to Rockville. But he was, you know, really kind of coming at it from that perspective. And then Adam talking about, you know, even the songs in the albums that he doesn't necessarily like, he's still defending them passionately as a fan. So if you're an R.E.M. fan and you want to kind of not just go back and, and, and reappreciate the, the hits, but almost kind of recalibrate and give a second chance to some of those older albums. I think the podcast is a really entertaining way to do it. Uh, they got some great guests. Edgar Wright was on. Haley Joel, Al- Haley Joel Osment was on. Um, and then, he, again, each episode doesn't take itself too seriously. It's pretty pretty fun. So that's my, uh, that, that's my distraction for this week. Are you talking R.E.M. Remy? <laughs> Once again, revealing how old and, uh, and played out my musical tastes are. So... That is our show for this week. I want to end with some shout-outs. I want to shout-out Molly Knight. Thank you so much for, the A, the bottle of champagne on my honeymoon, and B, uh, the long, in-depth, interesting Tori Amos talk, which I've wanted on this show forever and finally got a chance to revel in. Go check out her work on The Athletic. Uh, I think she's a fabulous writer, a really interesting voice in media. You can also follow her on Twitter. Also going to shout-out Tori Amos. Hey, Tori... Um, I know I have not been to 100 shows, but if you want to float me your email, I can promise you I will send you uh, my random thoughts on television and other stuff that's just happening in the moment until you block me. Uh, But seriously, thank you. And shout out to all the listeners. Uh, If you've got ideas for guests, ideas for topics, ideas for distractions, you want to talk REM, re-me. Uh, hit me up, justnotsports at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justnotsports. Always appreciate your engagement. All right, so that's it. Coming back. Coming back soon with more episodes this season. Thanks for sticking around. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay booty. Now.